welcome to Thanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 47, Captain Phillips from 2013. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, so we got a little bit of the backstory. So when we assign, assign seems like such a strong official word. When we assign these episodes to our friends, to our guests, people sign up for things and they say, these are the movies that I want to be on. And then you and I sit down and we dish things out. The way that we talk to most of our guests, I would say, is on Facebook. And so we have like a little thread. It's like you, me, and the guest. We always rename the chat thread to be something related to like one of the picks. And so for like two years, I don't know, it's been forever, we've had Captain Holly Gore <laughs> on, or Captain Holly Phillips. I don't remember what it is, but like it just burned into my brain that like Holly's name and this movie are like forever intertwined. Yet like we've never talked about, like this is the first time we're talking about this movie as like this trio, but like in my brain, I want to see exactly what it is. Captain Holly Phillips. Like I think of that like as the, not as the movie title, but like it's tied forever into my brain that Holly, you are now part of this movie for better or worse. With us tonight, we have Holly Gore. Hello, Holly. Hi guys. Thank you for allowing me to continue to come back on the show with my hot takes and strong opinions. I think it's a different caliber of a movie than we normally assign you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's not really what I would sort of associate with what I know Holly being on the show for. No, and it's like a multiple Academy Award nominated film. I think well, not for that reason. reason. <laughs> not that she doesn't but like. But no, yeah, no, no, no. But like, no, it's like that's not a, that's not an indication of her. Like that's just like, hey, do this movie, and then like you know, <laughs> it just turns out that it's not always good. Sometimes it's great, and then you hate the movie. Hello, waking up in Reno. Who knows? Come on, see my apology tour. See know, my re-review of that. But so, Holly, do you remember why did you sign up for this movie? Is this a movie that you like or that you love or that you had meant to see? Why did you sign up for Captain Phillips? So I think in terms of my participation on your show, I come in for just your your weird one-offs that don't fall anywhere else. So I've gotten a lot of like anime or just this might be a disaster. Are you in for it? And my attachment to this film was one scene that keeps going around on the internet, which is the uh, I'm the captain now moment, which happens way earlier in the film than I thought it would. And I was like, yeah, I, I know this one scene and nothing else about this movie. So I should probably actually watch it. And I have to tell you, like the first 20 minutes, I was like, eh, all right, well, do it for my friends. And then the last like 30 minutes, I was like, my heart is in my throat. I'm emotional. This feels heavy. This is great. I'm so glad I said yes to this. Well, Mike, please, before we go any further, can you please give us a plot summary of what Captain Phillips is? I mean, I think, like Holly, most people probably know I'm the captain now, but I don't know if people know more than that. So please hit us. So in 2009, Captain Richard Phillips is the captain of a freighter ship, and he is sailing around the Horn of Africa when Somali pirates board his ship, take him and his crew hostage, and then escape with Captain Phillips in the lifeboat. Uh, What proceeds is about a two-day slow chase of the pirates, led by Moosey, who is the leader of the gang at this point. The Navy SEALs are called in to rescue Captain Phillips. There is a lot of scuffle going on inside of the lifeboat. Eventually, the Navy SEALs shoot and kill three of the Somali pirates in the lifeboat while detaining Moosey in the actual freighter ship, convincing him that the elders of his tribe have made some kind of deal for Captain Phillips, which turns out not to be true. 
Captain Phillips is then escorted to the medic bay where Tom Hanks proceeds to give one of the best performances in film history for about two minutes. And the movie ends there with Captain Phillips rescued. Yeah, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It was so good. So now, Mike, had you seen this before? I had seen this exactly once before. In theaters or not at theaters? No. So I rented it on demand with my dad. Um, when did this, this? So this is 2013. It must have been yes. about, you know, like a year after it came out. So Okay. And I remembered enjoying it very much. I like the naturalistic feel. I wasn't quite expecting there to be much of a story. It's, you know, it's very, you know, there's one inciting incident for the most part that drives, you know, the rest of the movie. I quite liked it. I didn't think I was going to. Down the line, it kind of reminds me of a movie later on that would come along called Deep Water Horizon about the oil rig that explodes. Like there's just these movies that are coming along shot in this very realistic manner that sort of just puts you in the scene. So I was very engrossed in this movie. And what did you think of it the second time around? I was not expecting to like it as much as I did the second time around. I sort of felt like it was a one-shot punch, really. Like, I yeah. didn't think it was going to affect me again the second time. But then I was like, oh, no. Like, I think what really drew me in was the music. It's the one thing that, yes. like, isn't part of the world, really. And it is so intense and it really gets across like the overwhelming sense of desperation going on throughout the entire movie and it drives it like so well and so yeah I was surprised how much I enjoyed it the second time around. So I want to say that this movie was nominated for a handful of Oscars it was it did not win any it was nominated for Best Picture it lost to 12 Years a Slave. Uh, Barkad Abdi was nominated for Best Supporting Actor and lost to Jared Leto for Dallas Buyers Club. Nominated for Best Film Editing and Sound Editing and Sound Mixing, all of which it lost to Gravity. And Best Adapted Screenplay, it lost to 12 Years a Slave. So it's a tough year for both technical and narrative and whatever, but this is a very decorated movie. The major snub, I guess, you know, specifically for what we're talking about, but I think also just in general that year, was that Tom Hanks was not nominated for Best Actor, which seems a little crazy. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and a Screen Actors Guild Award. So he got recognition, but he did not... I don't think he won any of those either. That's a tough year. That was the reconnaissance like, in full swing, too. Dallas Buyers Club was a heavy-hitting, sort of performance-driven piece between him and Jared Leto. McConaughey did win. He was also also nominated was Bruce Dern for Nebraska, who was great. She would tell Edgy Four for 12 Years a Slave, who was great. Christian Bale for American Hustle, which I guess... I, I like that movie. I know that movie gets a lot of shit, but... I like that movie. I don't remember that performance, really. And then Leo for Wolf of Wall Street, which is, again, maybe Leo's oh. best performance ever. So, like, it's a tough year, but, like, I, yeah, it's tough to not include Tom Hanks. That's all I'm saying. But... I think you're right. Like, I think the sound is great. I will say, before we get into our favorite moments, and I want to hear all about, because it seems like Holly loved it, which feels like, finally, I was worried for a second that, like, we were going to continue our streak. For a big chunk in the middle of this movie, I was not, checked out is the wrong phrase, but I was like, I know what happens. I have a rough sense, and I know, spoilers, that he survives, that, like, he doesn't die. There's still tension, but, like, I wasn't as invested in it as I was the first time. By the time they're on the lifeboat and the score keeps building and like the Navy SEALs are there and there's the rescue operation, all that happens like I'm just like, oh, I'm back on board. Like I think the beginning is great and I think the end is great. It lost me a little in the middle and I think that's exclusively because I've seen it before. Like I think my reaction to it, Mike, was what you were fearing, right? Like I know kind of how this goes and I'm a little worried it's not going to have that emotional punch or whatever. Still overall, I kind of can't believe like how well it works the second time. Nice. Yeah, I will give you that. I did feel a little bit in the middle there, like this is 
this, you know, because this movie's two hours and like ten or fifteen minutes. It's like we yeah, could get under, we we could get in this under two hours. We could get this in, you know. And there's a little bit. I mean, it's it's because it's Hanks that I'm sticking with those slower moments where I'm just sort of studying whatever he's doing for the most part and all that kind of thing to get me through. And I and I know what's coming, and so I'm still there with it. But I hear you loud and clear. So now, Holly, please hit us with your favorite moment, favorite scenes, anything that you loved. What did you love about Captain Phillips? I guess, too, to echo both of your points, I, uh, I'm i a bad film student. Sometimes I multitask when I watch these movies. So there was definitely a point last night where I was watching the film and I was also uh, doing some tasks in Animal Crossing. And it was soon as they take off with the lifeboat. Again, I've never seen this movie and I was like, I didn't know that happened. And then I was like, all right, I need to save and quit Animal Crossing because now I'm like emotionally invested in where Tom Hanks is going. So the build from there to when he eventually gets saved and I really the last two minutes of him just showing raw humanity on the boat when the uh, medic is, you know, just trying to talk to him, you know, what's your name, whatever. And he's just like bewildered and relieved and sad and emotional and just like, oh, man, and it's just so human because he is responding to her like, you know, and it's like, whose blood is that? And then he realizes it's, it's like the 16 year old kid that he established the relationship and his heart wells up. Oh man, it's just like, I wanted that scene to go on for 10 minutes. And it's it's a little bit hard to have feelings in this, the year of 2020 with everything that's gone on. And the fact that that absolutely was like, no, I'm going to activate your heart and make you feel things right now. I was like, oh, Tom Hanks, you, I thank you. Thank you for for remembering to teach me how I can feel. It, it's pretty amazing to watch, like especially even going through his career and seeing it's like something only of his caliber, someone of his caliber could probably pull off too. It's like a culmination of all of his skills on display and you don't even know really what you're watching sometimes. It's all so well disguised, but he's going through like every emotion possible or something. And it it's like he, he understands the situation so incredibly well like he's just being at that point he's not even acting he's just like reacting to everything around him and it's remarkable it's like he he ceases being tom hanks and he's just like captain phillips at that moment for me i'm like wow a hundred percent he was just so excellent in that movie that i'll, I'll have to watch these other so-called award-winning films that happened that year to see if uh they robbed him or not <laughs> also what we've maybe touched on in the podcast before but i think people have mentioned in a greater scale is that like he won back to back for philadelphia and forrest gump and like he's just so consistently good that i think people overlook him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they, they don't give him the recognition he maybe deserves because he's always so good, which feels like a cop-out, but I think is also true to an extent. Yeah, I th- also think there's a certain degree of, not expectation maybe, but people think they know what they're going to get when they see Tom Hanks, but then, you know, something like Cloud Atlas comes along, and it's like, he's mm-hmm. capable of all this other stuff. I mean, even the Lady Killers comes along, you know, which really has grown on me since we've done it on the show, and it's like, his performance is that is like so left field of what the general public is considered Tom Hanks and stuff and so like he takes these chances and he does these things and it and it leads to something like this where like you could call him in to play Captain Phillips and someone like me who like heard about Captain Phillips on the news you know but never read about him or got to know him or anything like that kind of like a situation we're going to run into with Sully as well you do these movies you do them well enough and you pull them off like this good and then someone like me like can understand really what he went 
Yeah, and I think that it's important, I don't know if important is the right word, but important to keep in mind that this is yet another one of the, like, Tom Hanks plays a real person. Like, we've had Charlie Wilson, we're going to have Sully, like you mentioned, we're going to have Mr. Rogers. He's played other people, but, like, it feels like he's, it's kind of, he's made a career, like, he's strung together a career in a way of playing these kind of go-to, like, oh, we need a guy to carry the emotional, the narrative weight of this, let's get Tom Hanks. And, I mean, he does it really well here. I think a lot of people refer to that final scene as, like, one of the greatest acting scenes ever maybe because it just feels so real and there's a funny behind the scenes story is that like when the nurse or the paramedic or whatever role she's playing meets him for the first time like the actress like she was stunned because she's you know acting across from Tom Hanks and he says to her something like I'm supposed to be the one who's in shock and like she just kind of like scares her straight she's like oh right yeah, yeah yeah okay and then like she feels like she's acting in a way that she's not an actress like it feels so real in that moment it just feels like they grabbed an EMT and they put her in the scene and it just it's so so well done it just it works so well yeah you know sometimes i think we talk about how our guests have come on and they've said you know i think tom hanks sometimes he's miscast this and that and you know i've sort of heard that about the mr rogers thing here and there and, and i think there's a degree where you get hanks or Cruz or you know even cage because like it's the name the draw and just an easy fit for the role like a shortcut like we say but you can't really just do that with this role i think again with sully it's like oh tom hanks is going to play him too and it's like well yeah half of it is that it's hanks but the other half is he's one of the few capable of actually doing something like that, of sort of being the chameleon now at this point and uh, not really having to go too far visually to pull it off either. You know, it, it almost reminds me of Joaquin playing Johnny Cash, where it's like, well, they're not like, I guess like if you squint, like it's close enough, but like for the most part, no, he embodies that character without right. sort of having to, to look a lot like him. And I think that's a skill that Hanks acquired somewhere along the way that he's putting to use here in these biopics. Now, Mike, what about you? What is your favorite part? I mean, if it is that final scene, if you want to add anything, or is it something else about the movie, your favorite part of Captain Phillips? Okay, so my favorite part, of course, like, there's some very standout moments, the, the the part with Hanks at the end we've been talking about, you know, I'm the captain now, like, that whole performance, like, that's great, it was great to see him pop up in Blade Runner, too, it was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, he went on to become, like, a good actor, too, that was great, but for some reason, this guy became, like, a favorite of mine along the way, he's popped up in so much weird shit. Oh, I know already who you're talking about. M- Michael Chernis? Mm-hmm. Like, he's clean-shaven in this, but he's sort of like the captain's number one guy. He's been in, like, Spider-Man, what was it, Homecoming, Men in Black 3. I don't know what it is about this guy, but, like, every, I th- feel like he steals every scene in every movie that he's ever in. <laughs> and, like, he almost does it here. He's, I'm like, I can't believe how toe-to-toe at Hanks he's going right now. Like, he's really pulling it off and that was kind of jarring like it would have been my least favorite moment because I know him from so much more sort of comedic stuff even though he's done a lot more serious things as well I just haven't seen a lot of that stuff so that was kind of like a happy surprise yeah I'll chalk it up to hair blindness but I was like this guy looks so familiar but I can't figure out where I know him from and I clicked on him and like the picture on letterbox is him with the beard and I was like oh yeah yeah of course I know this guy yeah he's been in a bunch of different things Spider-Man yeah of course so like I I liked him I think he I thought he was great in this I mean it feels like a lot of these guys a lot of the people in this movie kind of don't feel like actors they kind of just feel like boat people which i know that they're not like they actually are actors but it feels so authentic yeah well that's 
Paul Greengrass, right? Like, that's sort of a testament to him. Like, he's a master. He's done so much great shit. And he's he's done a lot of stuff like this as well, right? Like, he did, like, United 93. And this is shot sort of like a Jason Bourne movie a lot of the times, like a real-life Bourne incident or something. So, yeah, I think that helps a lot. I think the guy just really knows what he's doing. I found that a lot, too, with the, uh, with the pirates. Like, at one point, the guy's, like, one of the pirates' voice gets, like, so high-pitched. And I'm like, he worked that dude up to a frenzy. I will say that my favorite part of this movie, and I'm going to kind of transition us from favorite to least favorite, because I think that they're tied sort of close. I mean, I think what Holly said is probably my favorite part, just the end is just so well done. Leading up to the end, where they're on the lifeboat, and leading up to when they say execute, and they kill the three pirates in the lifeboat at the same time, how the score builds and builds and builds, and then it just goes, basically cuts to silence, and it's like, that's all so well done, and so well edited, and I think that whole sequence is great. But I think my favorite thing that we really haven't touched on yet is how to a certain extent equal weight the people on the boat the pirates and the navy seals get like we see their perspective in each story mm-hmm. captain phillips is in the title but we're not only seeing the movie from tom hanks's perspective like i mean a lot of it is from his perspective but we see the somali pirates we see like the selection process we see the poverty we see the pressures they're under we see why they need to do this why they don't really want to do this but they feel like they have to do this we have the navy seals and the whole like commanding crew and like all those people like a lot of time on screen where other movies might choose to show less and i feel like by giving each of those different groups of people more screen time than you think that they might otherwise have it makes them all feel like more well-realized characters even when they're kind of just sort of stereotypes i think like i don't know that they necessarily go far beyond what you think they are but i think the way that their story is told gives each a little bit more meaning or sort of it seems like each has a little bit more meaning well, and to piggyback off that, these are real events, like they're real people. And I had to keep telling myself, I'm like, oh, this is all based on like actual things that happened. And so, of course, I like went and looked it all up after the fact. But like, yeah, the boat actually got hijacked and he got put into the lifeboat. And then like the Navy had to show up and coordinate this rescue mission. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, it's, it's just such like a good plot that you're like, oh, right this actually happened like this was a, a real experience this man shared and had and, and this was a real squad mission by the navy by the the seal the whatever they're called so then i got into like a wormhole and looking up like you know special operative missions and whatnot but it was cool to see everyone's different perspective like even how the somali captain he's in jail in the united states right now for the next like 20 years he's a real guy he's here he was the first guy they charged with piracy in over 100 years in the united states court Crazy. With this all in mind, keeping in mind that it is a based on real events, I don't know how critical I can be of this, but I feel like there is something to be said. Like, my least favorite part of this is that literally every white person in this movie is good, and every person of color is not. And I know that that's what happened. I know that they're not just, like, artificially, but I feel like even as they frame this, like, they don't want to do this, they are forced into it. I feel like there is something, it's kind of perpetuating stereotypes of, like, the person of color being a terrorist in a movie. And I feel like, I get that you kind of have to, if you're telling the story, it has to be like that, but I don't know, man. Like, it just, there's something difficult I think to parse about that even though they're, as they're saying like we're not Al-Qaeda we're not Al-Qaeda it's just like yeah but like you're calling that in and like as dimension like as fully realized as the characters can be I think there's something to be said about the perpetuation of that type of stereotype in a movie it's 
hard to kind of reconcile with that in a time where like it just feels like there's like the white savior stuff and like all the people who's like I know again all based on a real story I don't know how you change that and keep it true to real life but like there's I think there's something unsettling maybe about it I don't know mm-hmm. well especially we're, we're all hyper aware of that stuff again given the events of this wild ass year and aside from maybe making like the head navy guy who was calling the shots a person of color or whatnot like it, it's hard to not feel that they would just shoehorn in it for the sake of they would they cast people but it wouldn't be very meaningful as a side of being like oh we're gonna make this like one guy a person of color or whatnot it's tough like because you know movies are sort of by designed you gotta take necessary liberties from time to time so why not just you know like you say holly like you could you know background color cast this to the moon but what significance would that even make captain phillips himself is you know i guess if it helps at all he's an irish american i mean i don't know you know immigrant status i guess but like i hear you joey like it begs the question like would this movie even get made today at all that's the thing i don't know that you need to be profiting off a movie that like perpetuates people of color as the villain like you know like i know that like it's it's a story that like must be told or whatever like it's so crazy that's like you know a movie can't even do it justice or whatever but like yeah the idea that it might even be more classified as like a historic event right i think that might have been like a point in the boardroom that someone tried to make where like you're making like I could obviously I could even hear board members making your point where it's like do we need another white is Captain Phillips just going to be portrayed as another sort of white savior film this kind of thing that and other people on the other side sort of going well you know like it's historical there's relevance like this this you know there's there is kind of like an argument when this was being put together but by today's standards, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard to tell. I mean, it's weird because it's something I didn't really focus on at all. That wasn't what I was going to bring up, but I'm glad you did. And I think going forward, like, it's a very justified criticism. Yeah, so what were you going to bring up? What, what do you not like about this movie? Your least favorite part or things that are troubling or that you would remove or change or anything like that? So I was agreeing with what you were saying earlier. Like, I really enjoy how we sort of see Captain Phillips get ready for work. Then we see, you know, the pirates get ready for work. Uh, and later we get to see how the SEAL members get ready for work. And like, there's all these like interesting parallels about, you know, what it takes people to do their jobs. But I feel like sometimes the movie takes things a little too much for granted. Like, and I don't need Captain Phillips to walk around the boat telling us what like all the functions are and all this kind of thing like I'm not sort of talking about that but like I needed an extra couple minutes of him on land maybe with like you know Catherine Keener who's here for no reason you don't cast Catherine Keener for two minutes and just like not do anything with that so as a quick aside they had like she had more scenes and she had like some kind of like monologue or something that they cut because they didn't think it was relevant but I think they had intended to beef her up like it reminds me totally different but also kind of similar because it's based on a true story like there's that Mark Ruffalo movie that came out last year, Dark Waters, where Anne Hathaway is his wife. And you're like, why the fuck did they cast Anne Hathaway? Because like for the first like 80% <laughs> of the movie, she has nothing. It's just like traditional like wifely duties, like literally cooking dinner and bringing the kids to school. And then like by the end, like she has a couple like meaty scenes where it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. But like you don't have that here. Like why? You're right. Like why cast Catherine Keener and give her like almost literally nothing? Like she, she could have been a doll in that front seat, right? Like it doesn't have to be a person even. Yeah, I would have rather have not seen her at all or seen more of her because at least if you don't ever see her at all and that he just is like I love my wife you're like oh that's nice but it feels like they yeah like okay you showed us a minute of your wife like there wasn't even enough there to like establish that you guys are wildly like important to each other it kind of made me think of the movie Everest I don't know if you've seen that and in that Kira Knightley plays one of the climbers wives and they basically kind of cut to her every once in a while like at her 
house in her bed like getting phone calls and updates and things like that and I was like okay she's like you know actually they've expanded that character in kind of a a clever way to keep her around in the movie and all this kind of stuff and it's not just sort of stunt casting at that point and here it's an it's actually in a situation where I think it would have been a, a benefit to see more of his home life his house life like what he's actually sort of fighting to stay alive for more than just like a picture or two or we get like half a minute maybe of him in his private quarters listening to I think Billy Joel I'm not sure I can't remember he's like looking at pictures of his kids for a second but I think that's just like that is probably the thing that kind of stuck out the most you know as long as this movie is it needed to be a little more front-loaded is there a way you could start on the boat I think so if he had just started on like the boat because they did some of that with the emails right so he could have been relaying to his wife like oh I'm gonna be away for two weeks miss you so much blah 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 this never gets any easier but and you could have just cut that whole part out that's interesting there you save like almost a half hour I feel (laughs) (laughs) what I forgot about this time was that they repel the pirates the first time that they chase them away then they come back right like I didn't remember that so like there's even more build up like that they're successful in the beginning and I get that that's like what happened but again maybe don't do that like i think that's where you could take a creative liberty and just be like oh no like the first time like they they chase the one away because they call in the quote-unquote they call in the air support they leave the one boat but then the other one just goes and i think you can kind of condense things a little bit and be like well it actually happened like this but like narratively this is better yeah and and just as sort of like a final point about like just the Catherine keener character like i think if you did start on the boat that reminds me kind of like i think they might have done that i don't know how they did it in deepwater horizon i can't remember but i know that like mark Wahlberg checks in with his wife a couple times before the shit hits the fan and they're doing like web chat and stuff like that and so you probably could have started on the boat and maybe even had more Catherine keener than we got starting where we did so yeah, you could have, you could have, the Skype was around back then, so, yeah. Um, Holly, what about you? What did you, is there stuff about this that you did not like? I know you were Animal Crossing for the beginning, so maybe it wasn't as engrossing as the end, but is there anything about this that you would change, that you would remove, that you didn't like, your least favorite part of Captain Phillips? Well, I mean, parts I didn't like kind of stemmed from my own ignorance. Like, when they were coming up, I was like, why don't they just shoot at the boat? I've never stopped to think about how a tanker ship like that stays safe, or, like, what happens if pirates come up? So I was like, this seems like an easy problem to fix just tell them to not do it or grab the guns on the boat and they're not and that's when the guy he's like i'm part of the union and the union doesn't like have us fighting pirates we're just shipping stuff and i was like oh i guess like the only boats i think of at seas like heavily out in seas like that are like militaries so i guess i kind of was like huh and it made me stop and think about like how do tankers operate how do you stop like you know hoses like just hoses of water so it was a little bit of a history lesson or kind of like a school lesson there on how do you protect large boats like this and how do they operate? Yeah, it feels like if truck drivers in the Fast and Furious can carry a shotgun, then like maybe one of these guys brings a rifle on the boat. Like Right, like there's there's no guns on this boat. It's this big. You couldn't have put like five of them somewhere on it. Like, come on. This would make for like the worst video game level ever. <laughs> that blew my mind the most, I think, the first time watching this was like these guys have no security. Like yeah. the people whose product their shipping isn't even protecting that like even if it's not there to protect 
of humans like they're not even protecting the shipment like it just made no sense to me like i couldn't wrap my head around it the first time well and and two and just the fact that they call in the first strike for pirate and then whoever they call into never shows up which i i, I guess is could be a real life thing that happens right sometimes you call the cops and they're just they never show up but i didn't know that would happen for boats so i was kind of a little bit i'm like that's dumb the coast guard should have definitely showed up and then in reading it i was like oh no that's not always a guaranteed things that happen they're just like yeah keep sailing and hopefully the pirates don't come back anything else about this that you didn't like it seems like you were pretty pretty positive overall yeah surprising right no i it definitely you know it has a little bit of a slow start but it, it grabbed me halfway especially the, his reaction with the kid like because he he's the one that calls like throw some broken glass down and then it is effective great it slows him down and then he's realizing he's like this kid who doesn't have shoes just like cut up his foot like he's just gonna bleed out and he just again he's just like well i gotta be nice to this kid who's 16 we realize as he talks to him and just him being like he doesn't have to be a good captain he doesn't have to show them stuff but like he's still trying to be like an educator and a mentor to these fellow seamen that aren't his that's really what drew me and i was like man he keeps being a good guy to guys that are literally going to like murder him potentially like come on tom hanks but he's just he's a good guy throughout america's dad yeah. i mean damn he's even <laughs> trying to be a dad to his own captors and stuff and you know i did think it was interesting though like you did kind of get the sense that he was getting i mean maybe that was i feel like some of that stuff inside there is probably the most accurate because it's a first-hand account from captain phillips himself for the most likely i don't know exactly the research that went into this movie i know it partially was based on a book uh, about his experiences that was written by a reporter but i like that all, all their personalities kind of came out you know they all had like sort of these different levels of intensity different emotional sort of responses to everything that was going on and so it was in it wasn't like they were all one it wasn't just like oh they're the somali pirates it was like no you could actually like if you rewatch this their personalities come through as individuals mm -hmm. and i think too in my research last night the website information is beautiful because that stood out this film is 81 percent accurate with the events that it portrays it's pretty high. Yeah. I was I was reading things that like after this happened in real life, like crew members sued Captain Phillips because they said that he knowingly and willfully traveled through pirate infested waters when he should have gone around or should have found an alternate route. So I think maybe that's a whole thing that we don't get into. <laughs> the sequel. The the courtroom drama where you can't handle the truth of what actually happened on the water. Any other notes about this before we play a couple of games and nominate this for some awards? Any other thoughts about that you had about this, Holly? Um, is this your first Hanks movie that you've done with us, or is this not your first, first no, Hanks movie? No, so speaking of movies that would they still be made in 2020, I also joined you for Big. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Don't watch the extended cut. That's all I got to say. Mike, what about you? Any other notes about Captain Phillips? It's as good as uh, I remembered, and yeah, this is a, another good one, man. You know, I feel like we're on an upswing here. You know, so let's get in as many good ones as we can before we get back to the Inferno. I do want to say that there was a halo jump in this, which is not as cool as the one in Mission Impossible Fallout, but there is a halo jump in this, which is pretty cool. And I also liked Tom Hanks. We were talking about guns. Tom Hanks fires a flare, and, like, what seems like he shouldn't be anywhere near, like, it seems like that's, like, wildly difficult to aim, and he almost hits the boat twice from, like, really far away. So if he had an actual gun, imagine what he could have done. So this movie had a $55 million budget, made $218 million worldwide, basically half domestic, half a 
broads. This was a pretty successful movie. Like I said, six Academy Award nominations, no wins. Hank's nominated for the Golden Globe, the BAFTA, and the Screen Actors Guild, all for Best Actor. So the trivia is that the crew sued him after the incident, saying he was well aware of the danger, but went in anyway, even though the shipping company itself sent him a note advising him to avoid the Somali Seas. So I don't know how that turned out. The results of that was not, I don't know if they settled that accord. I don't know what happened. I don't know. They, I know they tried to smear Sully, too, after he made the landing. So I don't know. I guess that comes with the territory. Speaking of Sully, I don't want to spoil what this is, but there's a show on FX called Cake. Cake is a short form animated, like a collection. And Cake is great. It's all on Hulu. There's a Sully-related sketch, drawing, animated thing in season three, episode one. Season three just started. But if you watch, I don't know what the name of the episode is called, but season three, episode one, watch Cake. There is a Sully-related thing, which is weirdly fascinating. I don't want to say more than that, but you'll get to it. Cake is also great. Like, Cake is just, like, the first season of Quarter Life Poetry, which I loved. Season two had Shark Lords. Like, they have, like, these through lines that kind of go throughout, which I didn't love. Season one is really, really good. Season two has some ups and downs. And season three just started, which has been good so far. So you would both like Cake. Specifically, I think both of you would like Cake. Um, So if you have not seen it, if you've not heard of it, check it out on either FX or Hulu. Uh, Episodes every Thursday night, and they're on Hulu on Friday. So check that out. And there's one specifically tied to this podcast about Sully, season three, episode one. Holly's line, I'm the captain now, was an ad lib by Barkhad Abdi, which feels crazy in retrospect. Yeah, that's like the defining quote of this film for everyone. Mike and I are sort of joking via text that like there's a couple other lines that are kind of really quotable but not nearly to that extent but like they're not here to fish is a kind of a menacing almost like a Harrison Ford type line and then at the end when he's being checked out you know she says to him you are safe and you are fine that's after you know does my family know like literally minutes earlier had been writing a note to his wife like and the wife and son like I'm so sorry that I'm not there that I'm here and not there about to die like thinking he's going to die right man it's just it's crazy. All the lifeboat scenes were filmed inside a replica actually on the water. A lot of the crew was vomiting in the cramped space because, like, you know, just seasickness in general. I read a stat recently that even experienced, like, semen, half of them still get seasick every time they go out there. Like, there's something about the human body that just, like, cannot adapt to the rocking of the boat, so... Oh, and in real life, speaking of the lifeboat, in the film, it seems like he's on the boat for maybe, like, a day and a half. In real life, he was on that boat for five days. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, so, again, this is going back to what you were saying earlier, Mike, about Paul Greengrass and, like, the what he gets in his movies. Tom Hanks did not meet the pirates until they were on set or until that scene because he did not want them to have, like, a rapport. Like, he wanted to kind of have, like, the strangers come in. So, like, that's an effective way to do that, I would say. I think there was something that wasn't in the trivia, but I remember hearing about, like, you know, all those guys were, like, they just did, like, an audition out of, like, 700 people in, I think, Minnesota or Minneapolis or something, somewhere up north, and they got cast. But then, like, after the movie ended, like, they were just paid, you know, almost nothing because, like, they're not, you know, Tom Hanks, they're not commanding these huge salaries, and they're big parts of the movie, but they're unknown actors. And then, like, after the movie was finished wrapped, like, when it wrapped and they got paid and everything, they had to go back to their daily lives, and, like, they were struggling, I think, to make ends meet, even though they were, like, you know, getting award recognition and stuff, that it just, it was this kind of, like, sad story that these actors who had done such a good job in the movie kind of had to go back to everyday life without, you know, any kind of, like, future Hollywood prospects, I guess. Barkhad Abdi, like, you said, he, you know, he shows up in other things, too, but, like, it's tough to be, like, you know, kind of get plucked from obscurity and then not really have a way to go from there, I think, right? 
Yeah, it's tough, especially since this seems like you would get typecast because, like, this is a very famous role that you've become known for, like, right out of the gate. And it's so like, okay, how many villains did he get offered after Captain Phillips? And I'm sure he doesn't want to just do that. You know, I'm sure he wants to stretch and stuff. And so, yeah, it's got to be hard. And then the only other trivia is about things that didn't actually happen. But, you know, I'm going to go with Holly's, like, most of it was pretty accurate. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to accentuate the positive <laughs> rather than the negative. Cool. So the first question is, could... Could Tom Cruise play the role of Captain Phillips? And if not, who would he play? There's no way. He would He would kick these guys' asses <laughs> single-handedly, you know? Like, he couldn't help himself. And then he would be the Navy SEAL who Halo jumps out to save Captain Phillips at the end. I could kind of see him in a lot of different roles. Yeah, like, I could kind of see him in the guy from Spider-Man, sort of. But again, I don't know that, I don't know that you could put him on that boat, because I think he would overpower everybody, because he's like, you know, I, I'm Tom Cruise. Because I think he could play, you know, the negotiator. I think he could play... I think a lot of basically almost anybody in this movie that isn't Captain Phillips or a pirate I think he could play I think he could be part of the dispatch team when he first calls in and he talks to that lady I think he could be there because he would be given full reign to just command that and show ownership and and that way they would still be able to shine in their respective lanes I can see that I think that's a fair I think that's a fair assessment that lady that he calls and she's just like yeah we know it's yeah. probably not a big deal it's like oh boy <laughs> now the other question and I think the answer is yes although I maybe I could be dissuaded, is Tom Hanks America's dad? So Holly, since you were last on, back in the days of Bake, we were asking, is he on the road to becoming America's dad? We have firmly established by this point in his career that he is America's dad. So in this movie, is he America's dad or does he do things that kind of dissuade him from that? I mean, I guess he is kind of knowingly and admittedly absent from his kids, but like, other than that, I mean, yes, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a father figure to a total stranger, and he, he's working so he can provide for his family. And, you know, they could have been like, oh, he's having like a rendezvous at the pier with some like side boat chick but no he's just the whole time he's like i want to write a note to my family like even when the pirates are like don't do another thing or we're gonna shoot you he's like i'm gonna write a note to my family fuck you guys he's so good and just at the end right when he realizes they've been shot and he's like what just happened like whose blood is this like he's genuinely distraught he's not like oh yeah cool those guys got fucking murdered like they were gonna shank me he was just like oh no human life was just lost i'm like distraught and crushed at it and just to have that kind of empathy for people that you know put you in a hard position like i I was like, oh man, you're so much better than I am, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're pretty great still, Holly. <laughs> Thank you. But I don't know if I would have quite reacted with such grace. America's cool aunt. Yeah, big shoes to fill. So I think Tom Hanks be definitely a strong continued showing in this role to that regard. Mike, any any dissuading notion there? Or do you think he is America's dad? Oh, yeah, no. Like, what else can I say? Yeah, I mean, he becomes the pirate's dad for a minute, like Holly is saying, you know? Well, just even how he spells it out. He's like, listen, the Navy is here. They're not going to negotiate with you. They're just buying time until they, like, you guys need to stop, like, surrender. Just get yourselves out of here. You're only 16. Like, he is trying so hard to spell it out for them instead of being like, oh, no, guys, trust that negotiator. Like, he really is trying to do right by them. And he owes them nothing. Exactly. Like, they messed his life up entirely, and yet he's still like, hey, it's not too late. 
He gave him the original out. He's like, here's 30 grand. Here's the lifeboat. Here's your friend back. Like, everybody leave, you know? And then things escalated. But yeah, you know, he always tried to just get everything done as quickly and smoothly as possible. Cool. Okay, so now it's time, I think, for the Woodies, the Tom Hanks Awards. Best film? Yes or no? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a strong contender. We can put it in there for now. We could always call it down later. But I think it definitely deserves nomination now. But I think for sure, Best Hanks Role, yes, it's the second captain we've got captain john miller and then we got captain phillips best ensemble is an interesting question for me the ensemble always sort of has this unspoken indication that you've got a bunch of well-known actors together in small roles that sort of amount to like a big performance together i mean that's not always necessarily the case i don't think that's a golden rule or anything like that but i don't think so i don't i don't know are there enough lead roles in this movie like that to put together i don't know like i think if we had more katherine keener maybe i think everybody's good i think all the characters are pretty well defined like I, like we were talking about before if the negotiator was like michael bean or somebody that you could like you know you could like recognize from like God, when you said that i thought mr bean for a second i was like <laughs> wait what well oh man now i mean how could you negotiate He's a mute, isn't he? You can't negotiate with Mr. Bean over the phone. He's never lost a negotiation. I can tell you that much. I would assume. I don't know. Best fight? I don't know that Tom Hanks really fights in this movie. Best dance scene? No. Best party scene? No. Best Hanks outfit wardrobe? No. Best death? He does not die. Best line or best freak out? Like, they're not here to fish is cool, but I don't know that it's necessarily worthy of here. And again, like, the line is not a Hanks line, so we can't nominate that. Right, right. The next category is Best Soundtrack Theme Score. I was thinking about changing this to just be called, like, oh, I had a better name. I don't remember if it was this or not, but, like, Best Sound? Best Music? Maybe Best Music. Was it Best Music? It might have been Best Music. I think I think I wanted Best Music. And in that regard, should we say yes? Because I think, I think the answer might be yes. Yeah, I think this music works so well, like, much better than uh, stuff I've seen lately. Yeah, it's really great. Like, this sort of reminds me of, it's just, like, along the lines of, like, just put the Cloud Atlas suite beneath, like, most movies, and I'm sure it's going to work amazingly. Like, this movie feels like you put this under, like, any movie, and it's going to become, like, a white-knuckle intense fest, and it's just, like, so driving. I love it. Best or worst Hanks love story? No, we talked about the absence of Catherine Keener. And then best non-Hanks actor, male or female, do we want to nominate Barkhad Abdi? I think he stands out, but if you took Tom Hanks out of this movie, he can't exist as his own character. So I would say no just because of that. Like, he's so tied to Tom Hanks's role, so he would there would never be a spinoff. Like, you know, the pirate adventures. <laughs> or, like, what he's up to in prison. All right, so... We have three nominations, Best Film, Best Role, and Best Music. So, pretty good. Again, you know, I don't want to say this as a negative, but I feel like in a movie that's not fully fictional, I don't know that you can do a lot more than this, right? Because I feel like there's so, there's so much stuff in here that, like, you're not going to have a dance scene or, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of categories that, like, in a serious drama like this, you're just not going to have. Yeah, I mean, not every category is going to be conducive to every movie right. you know, we're going to have. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. All right, so Mike, next week we have another... Ugh, I was going to say another good one. I don't remember if I like this movie or not, but next week's episode, also from this year, from 2013, Tom Hanks looks like he takes 2014 off maybe to film a couple movies. Who knows what he was doing? But 2013 does another movie, does Saving Mr. Banks, the movie where he plays Walt Disney. So. Oh, look at that. I forgot he played Walt. They are making Mary Poppins, so he plays Walt Disney in this. So, you worried? 
Yeah, I'm a little worried about how they're going to portray Uncle Walt. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Well, I will tell you that the next episode after that is Bridge of Spies, which is a great one. And then after that, we have kind of our hidden secret, which I did not realize until recently, uh, our fourth Hank's Meg Ryan vehicle in a movie that she directed called Ithaca, where they play a married couple. There's a mythical, mysterious fourth Tom Hank's Meg Ryan movie that she directed that nobody talks about. And then from there on, there's still a couple good ones, but like it's up and down. So I, oh boy, um, savor the good ones while we got them. I'll just say that there's going to be good ones left. But Holly, I think you you were on definitively one of the last true great movies in this run. Um, I mean, again, there's still stuff up here that's coming up that I really, really like, but there's some stuff that's coming up that I really, really don't like, and I'm really worried to rewatch or watch the first time. <laughs> the Hanks for the Memories roller coaster continues. But Holly, thanks so much for joining us. Is there anywhere online if you want to be found that people can find you or do you want to be remain a mystery to the internet? I am fine remaining a mystery because I don't think I have anything worth viewing out there on the internet at this time. I don't know enough about Animal Crossing to like know how to ask this question, but if people are like, oh, I want to visit Holly's Island, if people want to find your island, Holly, is that something that they would want to do or no? Again, knowing about video games, but not knowing about this video game. So I could generate a dodo code because related, I actually built a beach ocean themed room while I was watching the first half of Captain Phillips. Very on brand. So if you, one of your listeners is like, I need to visit that room, then I would say get in touch with Joey and he will coordinate it to make the magic happen. Yeah, tweet at Cage Club Pod and we will get you that dodo code. <laughs> Man, oh man, I love that. That's very exciting. Well, thank you, Holly, for joining us. And is this, I think this is a serious wrap because we, again, we don't have that many more. We've probably been about another 10 or so movies. And again, like I said, not a lot of great ones. There's some great ones, but not a lot of great ones. But Holly, thanks so much for joining us in the Tom Tom Club as a whole. Thank you for having me. Eventually, when you get to Sofia Coppola, and eventually when I'm not able to speak about Lost in Translation, every meeting with you guys gets me closer to that moment, so... Looking forward to that. Well, we're going to have to figure out, because we, we have Cinemakers on a hiatus right now, but like Mike and I don't really have any plans to start a new podcast after this one ends. So maybe as time goes on and, you know, we're like, oh, we need to do something. I mean, she is definitely very high on the list of like directors that we would cover. So we will for sure be in touch about that. Don't you worry. Yay. But for all things, Hanks for the Memories, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Like I said, come back next week for Saving Mr. Banks, where our own Tom Hanks plays Walt Disney. Get ready, get excited for that. And that's it. Check out, oh wait, actually, so today, as this episode comes out, it is also our Cruise Club Awards, the Cruisies. So if you have not listened to that yet, we had a couple weeks off of Cruise Club. We are back now with the Cruisies in tow. So go check that out at the Cruise Club feed. Wherever you get this podcast, you can get that one. If you want to see the best and the worst of Tom Cruise's, mostly the best. I don't know if we have very many negative categories in there at all, but the best of Tom Cruise's career, check out the Cruises. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Holly Gore. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories.